Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies for a post-errands pick-me-up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. From the king of sports books comes the king of sports podcasts. Unleashed. Presented by BetMGM. Here's your hosts, Jerry Ferrara and Olivia Harlan Decker. Welcome in, everyone. We have a great show this week. I'm really excited because, of course, we're going to talk through the NFL slate. We'll talk betting advice at the end with Peter Andrew, all the storylines, but we are also previewing the World Cup with Tim Howard. I'm so excited. You see him on TV now. He covers the Premier League for NBC. He's a former U.S. national team goalkeeper. He knows everything that you might not, and he'll give us the scoop, right, so we can bet on some matches. So I'm really looking forward to that. But first, the king returned to his kingdom. Jerry Ferrara, you went to Madison Square Garden for a Knicks game for the first time in three years, you were up on the Jumbotron on Gucci Row. Tell me all the details. Oh, Olivia, it was good to be back. You know, I had been back to New York a couple of times in the last three years, but usually it's been with the kids. So this was the first time in three years that both my wife and I went to New York with no children. And I actually remembered all the stuff I used to do, particularly in the morning time, before having yeah. kids. And also, it was arguably the greatest weather situation. I mean, it was like 70 degrees in New York. Uh, yes, I went to a Knicks game. I also went to the Bet MGM headquarters in Jersey City, which was incredible. And we'll talk about that for a little bit. But yes, I was emotional going back to Madison Square Garden for the first time in three years. I actually found it to be an emotional experience. Now, you know, when you're at a game and you see the celebrities thrown up on the Jumbotron and they usually cut a couple people out, you know what I mean? Like whoever you're sitting next to. So who were you sitting next to? And are they mad? I was see it was weird too cuz people rotated. I was sitting next to Tiesto. Okay. The DJ Tiesto yeah, DJ. and uh my right at one point, but then he moved was Fat Joe who's like a New York City obviously a Knicks icon. <laughs> and it was like him and Jada Kiss and it, it was it was great. Uh it's a weird thing. I mean, if you want to talk about it now, we could dive right into Let's the Nick game in. experience because now the, 
everything you're about to hear is going to sound super like, whoa, you're big time. All right. Well, just we already trust know that you're big time. We know it. I am not big time. And just <laughs> trust when I'm saying these things that this is by far the coolest thing that I've ever had the chance to do because of my career choice. This is the best thing that's happened. It goes like financial stability and this experience <laughs> I'm about to talk about right now. So you roll up to this Knicks game as a quote, air quote, celeb, mm-hmm. and you go in through like a VIP entrance and there's the suite where you get to eat some food before the game and everyone's rolling in and it's kind of like a party. It's a lot of fun. This all sounds great, but I'm there to watch an NBA game. So mm-hmm. I'm staring, like waiting. You don't have your tickets yet. They come bring the tickets to you. So I'm waiting. I'm like, okay, it's 6.30, 6.45, tip-offs at 7.30. I love the warm-ups. Right. I want to get do. down there. So I finally get my tickets. My wife and I run to our seats. And of course, it's like that celebro. That's amazing. And my buddy, Ben Lyons, and I'll share this picture on social, took a picture. The whole celebrity row, empty, <laughs> except for me and my wife sitting there. And arguably, my wife had the biggest fumble of all time in the history oh. of courtside experiences. No. I said to her, I said, look, it's been three years. I don't know if any of these players know who the hell I am. But in the event that one of them do, discreetly snag a little video if there's an, yeah. if there's an exchange while they're sure. warming up. Yay! And she's usually good with this. And sure enough, who comes over? R.J. Barrett comes strolling Come over. On. And he calls me by my power name. He says, hey, Proctor. Uh, and I stand up, and we, we're, we're embracing Olivia. We're <laughs> hugging at center court. I'm, I'm a, my head's on his shoulder. And we have this great exchange. I talked to him for a bit, shook hands. He went out. Great. I sat down, and I said to Bree, hey, Bree, send me that video when you can. And she's, okay. she's just sitting there like, uh, yeah, I, uh, I didn't get it. You didn't get it? She's like, no, I didn't. I just, I, I, I paused, and I, I was like actually listening to what you guys were saying. She didn't get that moment. Of RJ and I embracing at center court. Fumble. Whispering sweet nothings. You gave him a little pregame massage. But look, no, there's no proof, so I don't know if I believe you. Exactly. No I, I could 100% be lying, but I will oh, share the video God. of me sitting courtside with Bree, and okay. the entire celebrity <laughs> row is empty. People don't start strolling into like seven minutes to go in the first quarter, which is absurd to me. We're here I to know. watch basketball. I know. Look, I, I was an NBA wife for a while, and I didn't even get to the games early. <laughs> My husband would be starting, and it, you know, he would text me, hey, I think I'm starting tonight, you know, like an hour before the game. I'm like, oh, crap, we live in L.A., and I can't get to Staples in an hour. So, um, no, it's, it's uncommon to get to games on time. Yeah, same thing at halftime. Everyone goes back up to that really amazing suite, and it is an amazing suite. Bree knows the deal. We go up, down the water. Use the bathroom, right back down to the floor for the water. Down a so that's water. That's why we're there. You sure? Uh, did I say water? Well, water is code for wine or okay. whatever it is, okay. beverage of choice. Down but, a quick uh, shardy and hit back. <laughs> yeah, I was trying, you know, I was trying. Cool. But the, the Jumbotron oh, is, is arguably the coolest thing that could ever happen totally. to someone. And I'm sure people went crazy when they saw you. They know you're such a New York guy. I got a nice pop. I'm not going to lie. Good. They show Good. a clip usually before, and you always wonder... God, is this going to be like silence or am I going to get a boo? <laughs> and it was a good pop. I never quite know what to do. They tell you to wave and I'm, I, I do like a clap, yeah. wave. Uh, you That's don't know really combo. what to do. That's a good yeah, combo. Yeah. Some people just like stare and then you're kind of like, come on, dude, interact. But yeah. Some people do comedy bits really quickly uh, right. and it works. Right. But yeah. So anyway, what we're talking about, like I still have to pinch myself that these things still happen to me. Okay. Should we get to some NFL? Yes. 
Yes, because there's a lot to talk about. Oh, my gosh. We've got to hash out a few things that happened last weekend before we look forward. Everyone is saying we may have seen one of the best games ever played. Now, I think that might be recency bias. I don't know. Vikings give the Bills their second straight loss. Overtime thriller. One of the best catches I think we've ever seen. Justin Jefferson's acrobatics on fourth and 18. The game's on the line. Cornerback Cam Lewis basically had it. He was all over him. It's just amazing. Every time I keep seeing a replay of it, like on Twitter or something, I still stop what I'm doing to watch. It's incredible. And the ball was actually overthrown a bit. Like, I mean... It was just crazy. What did you think of that catch? And was it one of the best games we've ever seen? You know what I first thought about when that catch was made? Ironically, my first thought was not only is this an amazing game and, and it is one of the best regular season NFL games. And I know that's the whole why you're saying regular season, because if that happened in the playoffs, it legitimately would be like the, sure. it would be the best playoff game mm-hmm. I think we've ever seen. But the first thoughts that went through my head were, was there ever a more beneficial, even trade? In the history of sports, maybe, that was Stefan Diggs to the Bills for the draft pick, which becomes Justin Jefferson. They essentially <laughs> traded right. Stefan Diggs for Justin Jefferson. Jefferson was obviously amazing in the game. Sort of overshadows Diggs, who had 12 catches for 180-something yards and mm-hmm. just a monster game from Diggs as well. So that went through my mind of, wow, that trade, there's no winner or loser. You could maybe say, all right, Jefferson's younger, so slight edge to the Vikings. but uh. Somehow, too, Olivia, I feel like that was the outcome that that was right. Because I know the fumble's ridiculous. I get it. The fumble is absolutely ridiculous. But Kirk Cousins not getting in on fourth and goal from the half-inch line is ridiculous. That's something that probably has a 1% chance of happening, of him not getting in from 12 inches outside of the goal line. Yeah. And then the fumble, that probably has a 0.1 chance yeah. of happening. But I still, I somehow felt like, the outcome was the proper outcome, if that yeah. makes any sense. No, I know what you mean. To your point about the trade and the pick of Justin Jefferson, have you seen the video? It's the Zoom video of the 2020 NFL draft when Jalen Rager was taken one pick before Justin Jefferson. It's the Vikings like draft room because everything was still covid so everyone was on Zoom. And their faces when it's announced that they took Jalen Rager ahead of Justin Jefferson and they all cannot believe it. And I have a friend of mine who's actually was on that staff. Now she's uh, on the Denver Broncos, but I can see her name on the Zoom part. And it's really cool to see. And I've asked her about it. I said, that moment must have been pretty neat. She said, we we could not believe Justin Jefferson was available. And man, that that's a great moment, though, to bring up that trade. And ironically, Jalen Rager is now on the Vikings. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Talk about living in the upside down. Right. Yeah, it's it. And not to, you know, I feel like it's kind of a cheap shot at Jalen, but yeah, Justin Jefferson in the history of Vikings receivers, which, you know, he's quickly risen to probably the third greatest Viking receiver of all Mm -hmm. time. And who knows what happens after he's done. It just was a crazy week in general. So that game, but I do feel like, and I know we'll get into this, I do feel like this was storyline wise, like a slight correction to some of the crazy things that like that we've seen happen. Teams are sort of getting their act together that we expected more from. And you just wonder, is it too late? Is I guess the question I was left with after this week, is it too late for these teams that are getting their act together late? Well, like one of those teams, I think you're talking about Miami dolphins, maybe, or Tampa Bay, San Fran, not green Bay. I hate to be a a hater, but I kind of think green Bay, that was a feel good win, but I don't know if it does much for them. 
I don't know. Forward. See, I'm more talking about the Green Bay, the Colts, the, you know, that sort of thing. I feel like the Dolphins are further enough ahead of the pack and they're on yeah. a win streak. I do feel like I, I do think it's over for your Packers for the most part. But I do think this is something to build off of. And now they have the Thursday night game, which I hope Peter has his say, single game parlay on because this is a big one. They're playing a Titans team that's banged up, but somehow wins all these games. Vrabel has to get coach of the year consideration. He just has to at this point because I really do think he's they're winning games by toughness, depth and him out just getting this team ready to go because they have injuries all over the place. Packers win this Thursday. Again, I'm not. I, I I pronounced them dead two weeks ago. I think that they're doing the WWE thing where you think they're dead and they just sort of the Undertaker <laughs> rises up. There may be a little life there, although I don't know if Christian Watts is going to have three touchdowns ever again. Yeah. One game. Boy, I was I was excited to see that for him. I've mentioned him on the show before. I covered him a lot in college and met him in person. He's an awesome kid, and you know he had such a tough start of his season with that drop. Yeah. Everyone won't let him forget that drop, but. With the Packers Titans Thursday night, I'm planning on going. I'm flying back to the States this week and I was looking up the weather as I'm packing and the high is going to be 29, I think. So favors the that, Packers, you would think. It does. It does because what I like what I saw last week against the Cowboys, the Packers finally ran the damn ball. 62% of plays were runs, which is the highest rate ever with Aaron Rodgers. Think about that. Yes. All these years, highest percentage of run plays. And this Dallas defense, which has been so strong, gave up the most yards and points of the season. So there's a lot for the Packers to feel good about. But with the Titans, I mean, I, I'm kind of surprised, honestly, that Tennessee's an underdog. They're a two and a half point underdog. On a short week after an emotional win for the Packers, I just, I worry that Tennessee will come in here guns blazing. So keep an eye on that line. It's been moving. It was one point a couple days ago, but yeah, that Titans defense is good. Derrick Henry is scary, um, and Mike Brable has won five. Yeah, Derrick Henry, definitely not someone you want to tackle when it's 20 degrees, so slight edge maybe to the Titans on that. But uh, I just think the Packers are such a public team, right? Everyone knows Aaron Rodgers. It's such a public bet team. It is kind of crazy, you're right, that they're favored after one win, after snapping yeah. a ridiculous losing streak, they're now back to being favorites. That is kind of pretty weird. Yeah, and remember, they have the Eagles the next week. So I kind of worry. I'm not saying they're going to look forward, but they can't afford to have any kind of letdown. And yeah, it, it'll be a good one. I'm looking forward to, to going to that one. So, okay. You think the Packers, it may be too little too late. Who else? I, I think so. Cause I think, yeah, with them, I just think now they're going to come up on the hardest part of their schedule for sure. too little, too late. It's probably too little, too late for the Colts. You would imagine Although with that division, who knows? And if they get a little help from the Packers this week with the, you know, beating the Titans, that may help them. But I just think they're too far behind. They lost those two games when they benched Matt Ryan, which I still was just unclear about. Like, what is this team trying to do, Colts? Are you trying to tank and just like you're throwing in a towel? Or do you, you just you put the other quarterback in because he could move around a little more? I mean, I know it wasn't pretty with Matt Ryan. I do love. Anytime there's a coaching change, interim coach, whatever, you always seem to get that little pop from a team. Totally. So yep. maybe that's what it was, right? Maybe that's what we saw. A one-week pop. Although it's certainly, Jeff Saturday probably came in there and was like, why isn't Matt Ryan playing? Are we trying to win? If we're trying to win, we got to play yeah. Matt Ryan. Yeah. No, that's what I think. And hey, Matt Ryan looked good. I mean, and I want to get more to this. This is going to be my Unleashed coming up oh, in a little bit. Oh, great. Yep. 
Yep, but I wanted to ask before I unleash, were you, like everyone else, a big hater of this hire? Because to me, it almost kind of seemed like Ted Lasso-ish, like hiring someone who really has no business in that role, and maybe it's just a clear, we're tanking thing, and then Jeff Saturday's like, not so fast, and why are we having our veteran accomplished quarterback sit out, and let's just correct that first. I mean, were you a hater? Uh, no, definitely wasn't a hater. I certainly understand the point. And I think Bill Cower was the one who was really out in front of this of just saying, like, there's other candidates who have real coaching experience that maybe should have gotten that shot. I totally respect that and agree with that. But on the flip side, the coaching part of football is so hard. Look around. Look how many, you know, Dennis Allen is struggling. Josh Daniel is struggling. Vegas is struggling. Like, there's so mm-hmm. many struggling coaches. And then there's so many young coaches who are coming up, like Dable, Sirianni, who are amazing. I think it's a crapshoot. So I don't think rolling the dice, especially on a year where if you did end up losing a lot of games, you're the Colts, probably not the worst thing in the world if you have a really, really nice draft pick. So I, did, I, did, I wasn't hating on it. I certainly understand the more qualified coaches. Jeff Saturday, Pro Bowl, Super Bowl winner, played with Peyton knows the game, and he talks about football every single week, and you knew he was going to be good at giving speeches. He's like a polished guy. So, no, was not hating on it at all. Good. Well, again, I'll get to that in my Unleashed. A big one we haven't touched on yet was the Monday night game, and you are feeling very confident because you are one of the few people, I think, who had commander's money line. Tell me about your decision there. Okay. This is an easy one. This is a throwback <laughs> to a previous episode. This is, I'm so proud. I know. As I was leaving the Bet MGM offices in Jersey City, right as I got under the tunnel, so I'm back in New York and I'm looking at the lines and I switch my account back over to New York because that's what you got to do. I get a phone call from who? My sports emergency contact, Max Greenfield. <laughs> and he thinks the same way as I. We think of these things as television shows. Football is a television show. So what would be a really interesting plot twist in our NFL television show? I know MGM must love this because this is probably what they want emotional betters like me doing. So he just says, look, man, there's no way the Eagles are going undefeated. Everyone's penciling them in. I think the commanders are good. That spread is way off. He's Max is the one who told me, and Max, I'm talking to you if you're listening. He said, we should bet on the commanders. I looked at it. I said, I love it. Let's do it. And we bet the money line. But here's where I screwed up almost. And then to shore it up, we liked them so much, we did the money line for a little bit and we were going to do the points. Because either way, we felt like it was going to be a close game. Maybe they lose a nail biter so we sure. can hedge a little bit by taking the points. Cut to last night's game. Watch, great. We won. I'm so proud. He, it's his proudest moment ever. He's so happy, right? I didn't even know this the whole entire time. Instead of clicking the point spread for the commanders, I accidentally clicked over, as you saw. Oh. I think I sent you the, the bet slip. Yeah. So the whole time we're watching the game thinking we have commander's money line and the commander's points and we had commander's money line and the over over. (laughs) was gratefully hit. I almost screwed us out of an amazing commander's victory who are now getting Chase Young back. And I'm not, I know last year he didn't finish up so well and, but still at one point was dominant in his rookie campaign. Could we say the NFC East is just loaded at this point? Fair to say. Fair, yeah. I was looking. The over closed at 43 and a half. It kept dropping closer to game time. And can you believe this? 100% of bets on the total coming from the state of Pennsylvania were on the over. 
So a lot of people cashing in on that final score, 32-21, Monday night thriller. I, I still, I'm very proud of you, Jerry. That was, this is one of the reasons to host this show that you can come on and brag about your good play. Eagles were an 11-point favorite, by the way, but 66% of bets were on the Commanders, but just 20% of the money. So interesting night for, for all the betters out there. Yeah, Max Greenfield gets all the credit. I cannot take credit. And in our text, he says, Jerry, thank you for supporting me. No one has ever <laughs> supported me like you just did. I just supported his vision. It, Commanders was Max Greenfield's vision. I was just a supporter and a vehicle to support that division. But all oh, that was fun last night. Do you think because the news of the Commanders being up for sale had anything to do with that? Like, Do you think that inspired something? I certainly think so. And look, whatever your feelings are about Ron Rivera as a coach, if you just look at his history, they've never been terrible. And everyone has sort of written them off as terrible. I think something happened when Carson Wentz left the lineup and Taylor Heineke came in. Whatever you think of Taylor Heineke's talent, mm-hmm. you know, that could be a separate discussion. But one thing is the team is playing hard for him. They have weapons. They have two really good running backs. They have a bona fide number one wide receiver who does not get a lot of credit because his number he doesn't do the 12 for 190 with a one-arm catch all the time. He Terry McLaurin is great. And uh, everyone counted them out. This was by far a look at terrible spot for the Eagles because they were probably looking ahead. And great spot for the Commanders because everyone was probably looking past them. Well, for the Eagles, their season win total is 8.5. So win Monday night would have put them over. I know a lot of people took that bet. They were kind of preseason darlings. I feel like everyone was loving the Eagles preseason. Um, they'll have to wait another week. And like we mentioned, they face the Colts, which should be a win. It should, but what do you think? I don't know. Oh, listen, if Jeff Saturday <laughs> and Matt Ryan, if saving private Ryan is uh, back in play for the Colts with Matt Seriously. Ryan and they win this game, talking heads on every network, their heads are going to explode. It's going to be exploding talking heads. If Jeff Saturday's 2-0 and with a win against everyone's Super Bowl darling, Philadelphia Eagles, forget it. People will lose their minds. And that's the TV show part of the NFL that very well could happen. Okay, so now one more thing I've got to get your opinion on. The Bills. I think people are overreacting a bit. They've lost two in a row. They dropped a third in the AFC East. They started six and one, of course. Here's what I think the problem is when I watch this team is they're not finishing games. They're being too aggressive. And they're asking too much of Josh Allen. Like, he had the three turnovers were in the fourth quarter and overtime. Obviously, those were so costly. They led to scores or they ended the game for him. But, like, where was Devin Singletary at the end? He was having such a nice game, and then they just turn off the taps. It's a great point. He was having a nice game. And that, that really has been what has happened so much to really, really good teams, obviously. Yeah. And in the NFL as a whole is who has enough of a running game to run this clock out with this lead. It's actually mm-hmm. what the Giants have been doing so well is either hanging close in games with the running game or when getting the lead, just controlling the clock and the tempo and the tone with the running game. The Bills got away from it for whatever reason. Who knows why? And Josh Allen is great. Look, we saw a little bit of like the three or Josh Allen three, four years ago where you saw the amazing play mixed mm-hmm. with the turnover. You got to start thinking about that elbow and you know i'm sure he wouldn't be out there if he couldn't play i just think you chalk it up to look the guy had a bad game maybe Mm -hmm. he had two bad games back his red zone play in the last two games has been really really bad but you know what cures all 
playing the Browns, and that's who they have on the <laughs> schedule next week. So, and after that, the Lions on Thursday night, and then Patriots, and then Jets. I mean, they should go at least three and one in that stretch. You would think, although the Lions talk, we talked about my bets, and I had an amazing parlay that was like stamped as a winner until it wasn't. I think I was all over the Steelers. Uh, another great spot for a team, and I did all the research with the Steelers. Tomlin off a bye is like 10-5 and 1. Is it just 12 and 4? I just think when Tomlin has time to prepare, regardless of the team he has, that team deserves your money uh, as a bet. If he has two weeks to prepare for a team, whether it's week one opening up or off a bye, you got TJ Watt back, cause havoc. That's what I'm saying. Some of the the Steelers might be that other team we were talking about earlier that can they kind of position themselves to get there? Mm-hmm. You know, TJ Watt, healthy playing makes all the difference in the world. I don't know. It might be a long shot. But back to my original point, I had Steelers, I had Dolphins, I had the Bears, and I had the Bills. All money lines. So at one point, this ticket was stamped. Every team was leading by two <laughs> scores in the fourth quarter. Uh-huh. And the Bears, what happened there was just disgusting. That was absolutely terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one hurt. That one hurt. Oh, 100%. Also, why that Bills-Vikings game is kind of in my mind now. What do we think of the Vikings moving forward from a betting perspective? Because they've won seven straight by one possession. So they're now 8-1, and one, their best start in 13 years, yada, yada, yada. But, I mean, 8-1, and one, they could be, God, what could, what could their worst record be right now? I, I think it probably be 5-4, <laughs> and four, I think, could be if, their if, worst yeah, record. Yeah, if not if worse. Things- I mean... They were in a 17-point hole in the third quarter, and like you said, it felt like the right team won. It did, but I sure get a little gun-shy betting those Vikings moving forward. It's hard. I think for the Vikings bet-wise going forward, obviously, you might just have to be willing to lay the odds and bet the money line because for them, the cover, you just what you're doing to your heart is probably not good for your <laughs> body. It's, yeah, it's just them to cover is always going to be an adventure, but them to win, they've figured out ways to win and, uh, you know, I love the Hawkinson trade. Loved. Because I have oh, him in yeah. fantasy, begrudgingly, that I'm still in fantasy when he was with the Lions. And they just never looked at him at all. Unless Amon Ross St. Brown was out, Goff never looked at Hawkinson. And when he did get looks, he would produce. That, was, yep. that might go back to be one of the biggest moves uh, of the year, that Hawkinson trade. It's another weapon now. Yeah, incredible trade. Perfect timing, everything. Good Mostly yeah. good for Hawkinson. <laughs> like at the end of the day, Great imagine, for Hawkinson. imagine that call from your agent. You're like, hell yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yes, look, come my on. Bag. That looks like a fun team plane. If you're going to say, hey, yeah. what's the best team plane? You know, I, I mean, it's the only one we're really seeing. But uh, that looks a like dome. a fun flight. Yeah, that looks like a fun <laughs> flight it. back from Buffalo. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that's probably the best flight, maybe, back from Buffalo. Yep. So Hawkinson and the Vikings, they have the Cowboys next. We will preview that game later in the show with Peter Andrew. But it is time to unleash. It's time to unleash. All right, Jerry, I told you my Unleashed was going to be about Jeff Saturday and the Colts. And I already mentioned it kind of felt like a Ted Lasso hiring. And if you don't watch Ted Lasso, It's basically a team in the Premier League soccer is trying to tank and 
for a lot of reasons. If you don't watch Ted Lasso, you shouldn't be listening to this any longer. You should go to your TV right now and watch Ted Lasso. It's the best show ever. But it felt like that because it felt like kind of a Hail Mary pass that you're not even thinking they'll get caught. But this week, he proved otherwise. And I thought someone who kind of summed it up well was Dan Orlovsky, ESPN analyst. We've had him on the show. That's a great episode if you want to go back a couple months. But I loved his tweet. He said, what a disrespectful, embarrassing, entitled, unproven, inexperienced win by Jeff Saturday. Of course, he's punching back to all the pundits who are criticizing the move. In fact, Bill Cower said it's a disgrace to the coaching profession. So, you know, a lot of people thought it was looking like they were trying to do the wrong thing here, trying to tank. They benched Matt Ryan, the whole thing. But like I said, with Matt Ryan, I love putting him back in. You know, why do you bring in this guy? who's a veteran, who's accomplished, and bench him for Sam Ellinger. Like, it was a very bold decision. I think outsiders, which Jeff Saturday at this point was an outsider, was like, what are you doing? Like, you know, he he may struggle a bit, but ultimately he's your best chance to win. And he had a great day, 21 for 28, a touchdown, no interceptions. Uh, Maybe more surprising, Matt Ryan rushed for 38 and a touchdown as well. So that was the most he's ever rushed, I, I think, ever, 38 yards. So that final scoring drive too that Matt Ryan led was really impressive. One of the better games of the day of the weekend. And I think it was a really feel good moment. We mentioned earlier, it might just be a little spark that a struggling team needed, but overall I don't think it was a horrible hire because if it's someone just to kind of get you through, get you to the finish line, what an inspirational, excitable person. And I thought for someone who speaks so much about the NFL and has been in locker rooms, been in film rooms, been around equipment staff. He knows how to lead men, which are his words exactly. And I think it's kind of a feel-good thing for the NFL, and I don't hate the hire. In fact, I kind of like it. You know what I like about it? He was just on TV two weeks ago talking trash about the Raiders, and then he's coaching against the Raiders (laughs) (laughs) two weeks later. So talk about putting your money where your mouth is. I love it for that. So, uh Good. That's a good unleashed. I have one if you're interested. I'm kind of starting to. I'm ready. Getting a little repetitive. I'm gonna. I have a different spin on it. Mine is. I went off last week about Tyree Kill and how he should get some MVP consideration, which he won't. But I said he should get at least one vote. We're in some dangerous territory with the NFL awards, particularly the MVP, because the way I see it, there's like two and a half good quarterbacks in the entire NFL right now, and it's Patrick Mahomes. (laughs) Well, it's it's yeah. it's Josh Allen when he has a full UCL, you know, like that. Like okay. I, I am taking off some points because he's hurt. And then speaking of hurt, it's Jalen Hurts, really, and who just lost to the commanders. So what I'm getting at is if we really don't start opening up this award or opening up our eyes to say this cannot be just a quarterback award, I think offensive player of the year, let that be the quarterback award. Instead of taking every receiver, every tight end, every running back, and basically saying you guys are out for MVP, and obviously defensive players are out, which I'm fine with for the most part, because Justin Jefferson, if he doesn't deserve MVP talk, real MVP talk, Mm -hmm. not like, hey, he's like the Mm -hmm. seventh highest odds, then I don't know what we're doing here. He made a fourth down catch. That's one of just the best catches in general that you'll ever see, regardless of circumstance. He did that on fourth down. How does Kirk Cousins have better MVP odds than Justin Jefferson when Justin Jefferson made that catch on a bad pass? So mm-hmm. I really do. I did it about Tyreek. Now I'm doing it about Justin Jefferson. We have to rethink this, guys. Make 
the quarterback position, the player of the year award. Or else we're going to see Matt, Pat Mahomes nine years in a row is what's going to happen. <laughs> and we're going to get so bored. I'm of, okay with that. We're going to get so bored of it. Then that's where we're going to start to see like, oh, well, I guess we could, uh, you know, sort yeah. of make the case for Kirk Cousins. No, we should make the case for Justin right. Jefferson. That's my unleash. I'm with you, especially when you boil it down to that play. The receiving end of that play was what made it. Good unleashed. Very good. Okay, let's switch gears from football to football. I'm here in London, and things have been gearing up for the World Cup since, I mean, I got here in August. Every bar and restaurant has all these signs, Jerry, book your table now for the matches, blah, blah. It is life over here, which has been really fun to absorb. But as this is a very American listenership, I assume, on this podcast, we realize sometimes we need some help when it comes to soccer. It's also very fun to bet on, too. So to help get you ready, we've got an interview with former U.S. men's national team goalkeeper, Tim Howard. He helped lead the U.S. men's team to the round of 16 twice and has a World Cup record of 16 saves in a single game. Oh, my gosh. Let's bring in Tim Howard. All right, I'm very excited to bring in the person who was the last to play goalkeeper for the U.S. men's national team in the World Cup. Most wins of any goalkeeper in U.S. men's history. He bought all of America to their feet. The Secretary of Defense, Tim Howard, thank you so much for taking the time and being here. It is my pleasure. I appreciate it. So I can't wait to talk about the World Cup, but I I do want to ask you something. I'm a big football guy. I've been ranting and raving all year on this show about how NFL kickers are just driving me nuts. They're ruining all my bets. They're ruining the playoff scenarios. Got to tell me, like, if a team gave you a call right now, said, hey, Tim, could you come? Just, we need you for, like, a playoff run. No chance. No chance. (laughs) My my buddy's a kicker in the NFL, and and he says to me, like, I ask him dumb questions, right? And I'm just like, what changes? Like, he's like, well, he's like, bro, the variables change. The wind changes in the second half. And he's like, the coach will ask me, "How, how long can I kick? You know, how far? And I'm like, that's not the job I want, man. That, that ain't the job. Goalkeeper was bad enough, but kicker, no chance. Well, you know what gets me about it is, you know, we, we took the extra point, which used to be something we never really thought about because it was an automatic thing. And the NFL just thought, hey, let's move this back and make it more complicated. <laughs> I just don't understand. We're trying to promote oh, offense. And I let's know. make it more difficult. So that's my own personal beef. Now, I don't know what your feelings are for this kind of time of year. You know, the World Cup set to begin. And do you just get a rush of memories? Because we all do as fans who watched you all those years, just all those memories, the chills come back. You know, what are your thoughts as it's getting ready to go? Well, Jerry, it's interesting, right? Like, I'm 43 years old now. And this is the first time I can actually sit back and be a fan, drink beers, enjoy it. Like, miss the tragic miss of 2018. I was part of that team. Went to three World Cups prior to that. And then every World Cup before that, I was just this kid like with stars in his eyes. Like, maybe I could do that one day. Maybe I could do that one day. One day. So this is the first time that I've ever gone, I don't want to do it. <laughs> I've done it. I just want to enjoy the boys and cheer them on and drink beers and go crazy and live the highs and the lows, which you know is going to happen over the next month. Yeah. So look, there's so many memories to talk about. Obviously, mm-hmm. the thing that always stood out for me, like 2014, it was almost like a single hand. I know you're playing a team sport, but single-handedly, you had us all. We, we were just screaming. And, you know, not to say underdog mentality, but you, you really get the sense that you, you guys all believe, right? Like, yeah. when you're going on a run like that, what are you guys saying in between these games? Because you're kind of shocking everybody in your way, but yeah. you're probably not shocking yourselves. You guys know how talented you were. 
No, we 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 were. T- that was a talented group in 2014, and I think that what ends up happening is you just you start to get a rhythm. You know, you get a rhythm going in going into the World Cup in regards to training and games, and then you know you get all the nerves and you play well in the first game, you get that dramatic winner against Ghana, and then like it kind of snowballs, and it really is over the course of the the tournament you begin to gain momentum. And Jerry, you know what it's like when you are playing really well, you don't ask questions. You don't go back to the hotel and go, why did we play so well? You just go, I like this feeling. I'm going <laughs> to bottle it. Whatever I ate for dinner the night before, I'm going to eat that again. Like you don't question it, right? It's just this momentum. And then with even within games, even within the, the 90 minutes of games, you go through these spells where, yeah, you, okay, you're defending for your life and you're making some blocks and you get a few chances. You're like, oh, we're in this thing. And so now your momentum grows even within the, the 90 minutes. It's fun to be a part of when it's going well. You kind of mentioned not necessarily superstitions, but yeah, I'm with mm-hmm. you. Even like I even go back to high school basketball. Like if a guy yeah. was on a heater, like don't even look at him. Just let him go. <laughs> uh, were you or anyone? I think was there superstitions going as a fan? I'm superstitious. If I'm mm-hmm. sitting on a certain spot mm-hmm. in the couch and yeah. you guys go up one I can't leave this spot on the couch. Yeah. So do you guys, have, do you guys very, have superstitions yeah. going? I'm very superstitious. As a team, I don't think we had many. Uh, and I don't know if you find a ton within teams, but individually, yeah. Individually, there's a ton of superstitions. You know, the way, the way a guy warms up, what playlist he's listening to, what he eats for his meal. For me, I was always a right hand, right foot dominant kind of guy. So I was always put my right sock on, my right glove on, before, you know, tie my right shoe, all that kind of stuff first. So, yeah, it's, it's again, it's whatever works. Yeah, I, I as a fan, I do the same thing. So I can only imagine what it's like when you're playing the <laughs> World Cup of like, yeah, I got a. I've actually driven like out of my way to go get like the the hat that I needed to get because yeah. we were on a oh, certain yeah. run. Oh, for sure. So I always wanted to ask you this if I ever had the chance to, because it's just so fascinating to me. If you're playing, you know, you're playing a game of your life, but it's you know, your team's just not scoring. Like, what's going through your mind when like you know you're on point and the team's playing well, you just can't. Are you in your mind saying, just, just score, just get me one and it's over? Or are you just, yeah. you're in a different zone of, I got to do my job? No, that's right. I, there are times where, a lot of times where I'm like, we, you know, you can feel the momentum of the game against you. You're thinking this, this levy's going to break at some point. Like we have to get one. And you, and you can relay that message. Like, you know, either get everybody back and let's defend for this next five or 10 minutes. Or, hey, we have to try and expose ourselves and get a goal because this isn't feeling like it's going to end well. So keep pushing forward, but you can relay that message, you know, through communication and it does happen quite a lot. You know, we were just talking football at the top. I'm a basketball. We were talking off air that we're both Knicks fans. So we have a little bit of a tortured history with that. And, you know, we'll talk about flopping in soccer. I think flopping in basketball has actually gotten way worse. I mean, soccer, it could be almost comical, but, uh, I don't know. You watch a lot of basketball. Has basketball caught up to soccer in that regard at all? No, not not really, but it, you see it way more. I mean, I mean, the, the gone are the days of the mid '90s and the Pistons and and, and the Bulls, where and the Knicks, that tough Knicks team that could never quite get over the hump, but you have to earn everything. And and so flopping got into the game. I'm a big proponent of it, and here's why: I have a job to do. You have a job to do. You know what else has a job to do? The referees. So I'm a big fan of always trying to gain an edge, playing on that line of not cheating, but playing on that line of is this fair or is it not, and let the referees handle it. And if it's a flop, it's a flop. If it's a tech, you get a tech. And if you do it too many times, you get, you know, get tossed out. It's the same as the yellow card in soccer. I, I've always been a proponent of if you're in the penalty area and you feel contact, go down. If it's a dive, the referee's going to give you a yellow card. Now you got to play the rest of the game and you got to be careful. I think the reward far outweighs you know, the negativity. So I'm, I'm okay with it. Referees have a job to do. 
Yeah, and sometimes they do it really well, and uh, sometimes <laughs> you could pull them quite off. Yes. Any other sports for you coming up, like, or if there's another sport you could have played? I know, I know. Obviously, you've had such an amazing career, so it's hard to think of you playing another sport. But I'm, what I love about athletes at your level, it's like, yeah, you hear, you see, we all watch what you do on the biggest stage. But it's like, yeah, oh yeah, you were also like an unbelievable basketball player. You just didn't have the time yeah. to do it, you know? Or was well, it just always it. soccer for you? Hoops was my first love. Uh, still is. I mean. You know, I'm a season ticket holder down in Memphis for the Grizzlies because um, you know, my kids are down there. And I love it. My best friend is the assistant GM for Minnesota Timberwolves. So I'm like, yeah, I'm all in. That's all. I could watch basketball all day. I love it. You know, that's, that's, that's my first love. I just love the – it's just so fast. You know, when you're a goalkeeper, you sit back there for 90 minutes. It's like – it's a bit boring. With basketball coming up playing, it was like up and down, offense, defense, transition. I loved it. Okay. We're going ha- to talk some World Cup now with, uh, if that's all right with you. And then I'll let you sure. get back to – to what you got going on. So, you know, we are a betting show, but I don't ever really ask people to make their picks if they're not mm. comfortable with that, you know. Mm. Uh, but just looking at odds and obviously the favorites, and it's no big surprise, you know, Brazil right mm. now is a plus 400 favorite, Argentina is a plus 500, mm. France plus 600. So, of mm. those three, mm. is there one that you would say this team would maybe have the most to do to get there? Yeah, oddly enough, with those three teams, I'm going to dissect them very quickly just so I can lead to who I want to win the World Cup. And yes, because that's where I was so going when, to after that. Yeah, so, so, Brazil, so Brazil's the favorite, right? But again, I talked about playing in World Cups, missing a World Cup, watching World Cups. Brazil's always just so dominant. And they've got these like names in every position. Like, oh my God, these guys. This Brazil team doesn't feel as dominant to me. Now, bite my tongue, that's blasphemous, right? It just doesn't feel, it doesn't have the same gravitas as past teams yet they are the favorite because on merit they are really really good and they're incredibly deep you know in terms of positions and you need that to go through seven games you know at the world cup but they don't overall I mean that doesn't mean they won't win i think they they probably are the favorites france who have been incredible over the last world cup euros that that cycle they've been dominant they've got a couple injuries and i think they're key injuries can they be overcome yes because they have brilliant players i just think the injuries are going to hinder them a little bit. And also the problem, Jerry, is when you've been a group of players that's so dominant, right? It's why the Golden State Warriors are amazing. Is it's hard to repeat. It's hard to keep doing it because you know, you know what it takes to climb the mountaintop. And then you get in that tough moment and you're like, do I really want to dig deep again? I've done this. Brazil, on the other hand, is different because they continually churn out new generations, right? So these aren't the same players that have won anything, right? They haven't won the, the massive prize yet. So these are all new. It's going to be fresh. For me, it's Argentina, and here's why. I think certain, certain stories need an ending, and they need a fairytale ending. The end usually doesn't end well for, for most people, actors, athletes, anybody. And well. But Messi, I mean, you talk about the greatest player possibly in the history. I know there's a list of, call it four, between Pele, Maradona, Ronaldo, and Messi, but he's arguably the greatest player of all time. And like to go out with a World Cup victory for Argentina, a country, by the way, which only ever measures him against Maradona, and Maradona won the World Cup. So it's a God figure with a God-like figure, and can he bring that, let, let, let that playing field level? It's a story for me that I just think it would cap this generation. So yeah, what, you know, I, I mentioned odds to you and all that stuff, and I always say on the show, like with my betting, and I bet for entertainment, I'm by no means a pro, but I just like the storyline. I'm an emotional better in a way. Like I, and maybe it's because I'm an actor and a writer and I try to like see the story as a script. Like even with that, you know, with that Commander's Eagles game last week, I had a little, I, I was big on the Commanders because I just, I'm like, 
everyone penciled the Eagles in to go undefeated. Why? That's yeah. only happened yeah. twice. And right, I right, just right, felt right, like right. it was a fall asleep game. So I'm with you on, on the storyline part of it. And I know the world's going to be watching that, mm. maybe thinking the same thing. Mm. Let's shift to good old USA here for a minute. Cause you know, and the first game, the first games are so important and who you draw against, yeah. you know, 2010 England, 2014, that win against Ghana. So can the U.S. beat Wales in that first game? It's a tough draw for the first game. And, you know, what do you see? Like, what's their path to victory in that first game? They can go either way. I think they can get out of the group, and I think they could also not. And that's not me being on defense. I'll tell you why. I think in a group format, four points can get you out of the group. Not guarantee you get out of the group, but it could get you out of the group. Five should. But four points can get you out of the group. And we've seen that over the course of time. I like the way the, the group is laid out because. The England game, I don't, I don't think they get anything from the England game. I don't think they win the England game. Okay. But you need motivation to go into that last game against Iran. If the U.S. can take a draw or a win, three points or one point against Wales, which I think is very possible, then that allows them to go into the England game, play well, keep the goal difference down, not feel like they have to win, but come out of that with motivation, saying, hey, we, if we win this game against Iran, we go through right? Or, or we have a real good likelihood of going through. Because I've been a part of teams where you get to that last game, and it's like, well, we need a miracle to happen, and we have to win by eight, and the other teams have to lose by 20. You know, it's just, it's just crazy scenarios. So I like the matchup of, I think the most evenly matchup in the group is actually Wales and, and USA. So I'm excited about it. And again, it's that first, you know, you'll never be more motivated than you will for first, the first game in the World Cup. So, you know, that is on our side. Is there a group that sticks out to you? Like, oh, that's, that, that's a hell group right there. Uh, is there one that just um, sticks out to you? Or is it all, all going to be just tough no matter what group you're in? Well, I think that, you know, there's always, there's always this, you know, the common theme in the World Cup is like the group of death. And I don't think that there's, you know, from listening to a few people talk and kind of going over the groups, there doesn't seem to really be that one standout. There's always a standout group. And, and there's, there may be one or two, but nothing, nothing like we've really seen in the past. And so, you know, again, I, I look at, certain groups where I, I think, hmm, there could be some upsets there. And I don't really get that feeling with this World Cup. For me, the U.S. is always the preeminent focus. And I, I look at everybody because of how many U.S. players have gone over to England and, and done that. There's, that. there's that massive battle between U.S. and England, which literally all of America is waiting for. So that's the exciting one for me. Yeah, and it's almost hard to believe when you really sit down and think about like, the history of the world. Like only eight, you know, Only eight countries have won a World Cup. You know, so you start looking at teams, you know, <laughs> Germany, Brazil, Spain. It's almost like it's going to happen at some point. Mm -hmm. I, I, I feel like we might get we might get close this year. You know, I, I like what you said about Argentina. And I think that would be a really interesting team to be the ninth, yes. the ninth country yes. to do it. I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't ask you, is there a goalkeeper that's like standing out? I mean, we, you know, you know, goalkeepers, yeah. obviously. Is there one that just like this guy gets hot to mm -hmm. really carry this team? For the U.S. Or, or at the World Cup in general? At the, we can go U.S. or World uh, yeah, both, no, but I, if, there, if it's not U.S., yeah. like, feel free to go somewhere else. No, I think, I think that, that you know, to, to answer the question directly, I think Thibaut Courtois for, for Belgium, he is someone who, that, this is Belgium's golden generation. They should have won things. They haven't. They probably stumbled, but they're brilliant. They're brilliant. Now, this, this team has, is really seasoned. The young players that we played against in 2014 are now veterans. They've, they've won everything in the world except the World Cup. So, like, now it's time for them to really put the right foot forward. And Courtois is a goalkeeper that played at Chelsea, highly touted, played at, plays at Real Madrid. And there was a while where he was just kind of steady. For a world-class goalkeeper, he was just kind of steady. He wasn't doing anything that was just 
that just blew your mind. And he started to come into that now. And he started to mature into that. And I really look at Belgium and think, if they're the dark horse, if they're really, really able to fulfill their full potential, he's going to have to have an absolutely monumental tournament. And he's capable of it. Yeah, we talked about storylines, you know, and your sort of storyline, your, your run is arguably my favorite ever. But that would be a situation where it could be a similar sort of run. I love it. I can't wait. Like, I'm, I'm kind of counting down the days, but you really caught me off air when we talk about the Knicks. And I didn't know, I, I knew you liked basketball. I didn't know if you were like Knicks. I didn't factor you yeah. for a Nets guy because I, I don't know how people just move to New York. Like, I like the Nets. Let's, <laughs> let's do two minutes on the Knicks, shall we? Yeah, Are you yeah, cool yeah. with that? Yeah. I'm cool with that. Let me just I say, try to I, take every advantage while I can. For my sins, I grew up in New Jersey. It was the old Brendan Byrne Arena. It was the Nets. It was the old Nets, though. It was the old Derek Coleman Nets. Like, they, they weren't good. So, like, the Knicks were my team. Man. Yeah, and you know what? I always say, so, for you, growing up in Jersey, of course, if you're a Nets fan, that totally makes sense. You could follow the team. I always try to ask people, you know, like, what would you do if you were a Brooklyn Dodgers fan back in the day? And then they just right. moved to L.A. So, because I fall right. in love with the franchise. Mm -hmm. So I would have mm -hmm. probably stuck with the L.A. Dodgers. I could see yeah. myself doing that. But if you have no, if you lived in New York and rooted for the Knicks and then they become the Brooklyn Nets and you just switch over because now they got yeah. KD and right, know, right, Ben right, Simmons right, right. and Kyrie, that was always weird. But you could have yeah. did it because you're a Jersey guy. For sure. Our New York Knicks who, you know, they're now seven and seven when we're taping mm. this. And I still believe, I still think there's like a path mm. to... Again, I just want some playoff games. I want to talk yeah. about playoff games the same way we're talking about the World Cup. But we're in that danger zone of, you know, you're not going to be quite a playoff team, but you're not going to be the worst team in the league. Right, so you're right. gonna... do you have any feelings on what you've seen through 15 mm. games in the Knicks? Oh, I was reading today about, about Tibbs being on the hot seat, which is maybe unfair, but it's also New York. So that, that there's, you know, everything goes or anything goes. And I was at the Orlando Magic game early in the season. And, uh, Really like Julius Randle again, seeing him live, and of course I've seen him before. But you know, I think Jalen Brunson adds an incredible dynamic at the point guard position, and I feel like the Knicks always have to have a dynamic point guard. You know, it upsets me. It hurts my heart. I will say that the greatest place to play in the world is New York. The greatest arena to play in the world. I didn't say that. Jordan said that. Kobe said that. That it's the greatest place to play in the world. And with the money that gets thrown around in the NBA that the Knicks have also thrown around with free agency, with big threes and, and guys getting their summer basketball buddies to come sign free agents. It's baffling to me, utterly baffling. And I know all the reasons. You can tell me all the reasons. I know them. It's baffling that we don't have a, I don't know, Jerry called a top 20 player in the NBA. Is that, is that too much of a read? It might even be more than that. Like how do, how do we, I think it's more at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more. So like how it, 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 it hurts. It hurts my heart. Yeah, I'm completely with you. I always say that's why I think people, you know, people always get a little hard on Melo when he was here mm -hmm. and there wasn't a whole mm -hmm. lot of success. And I get that. But, but I always push back a little bit because I say, and this is kind of a great question to end on. I say Melo accepted the challenge, though, because he was a mm -hmm. top 10 player at that moment when he came here. And you've played on some of the biggest stages in the world. You can't even, basketball is a global sport. You've played on the biggest stages in the world, you know. As an athlete, you know what comes of that and mm. coming to play at Madison Square Garden. You're saying, I want to play on the biggest stage in basketball and everything that comes with it, I'm going to be the guy that you could look at first, good or bad. And I imagine yeah. for you, you know, like I said, you played on the biggest stage ever. There's probably some guys that don't love being on the biggest stage in the world. They love to play, but 
you know, yeah. it doesn't, no, not I, for I, everyone, I say. I mean, I'm with you. I don't accept the criticism of Melo. He came to the Knicks. He won a scoring title, by the way. He literally single-handedly put the team on his big, broad shoulders. And, like, that's not on him that the team wasn't built around him enough to have success. And so, look, I, I understand the question. The question is, and that's right. And, and I think it's, for as we, we build up these players to be Herculean, to be bigger than they are, and sometimes there is, there's a psyche involved that says, oh, like, not everybody can be Derek Jeter and handle New York the way Derek Jeter handled New York, right? And so it's a tough place, and there's some more comfortable places where you can be a superstar, bring some of your buddies, and not have the scrutiny of always being on the back page. Like, I get that. I get that. But for me, if you're a competitive athlete, warrior, New York is the place you want to be. Win or lose, succeed or fail, that's where you want to be. I always say, you know, I think a championship with the Knicks is worth three anywhere else. Oh. Oh, is my opinion. I think if you get one for the Knicks, that's basically three with any other. T- I, I, <laughs> I, I love that we just talked Knicks and I have I have you here and like I we only did like 15 minutes on the World Cup. That's probably totally. bad for me. But where will you no, be watching? Great. Like what will be your this? You get to kind of sit back, yeah. like you said, you know, are you going to be watching? Or what's going to be your process of just in, of, I'm doing, of this? I'm doing, couple, uh, I'm doing tweeting? a couple. Yeah, I'm doing a couple uh, watch parties in the city uh, at a few bars. So and that'll be that'll be fun because it'll all be just. U.S. to the gills. It's going to be wild. And we're going to don't wear your nicest clothes because there will be beer spilled on you when we score. So <laughs> that's pretty cool. I think the first game, I'm not sure where, where I'll be. I'll be. I'll be in front of my television on a couch. I'm just not sure what city yet. Well, listen, if I show up at one of these watch parties and I'm telling the bouncer, like, hey, I just talked to Tim like last week. You got to like, they'll we'll, let me in, right? We'll do, we'll do it old school. We'll get you around the side door. Don't worry. Well, listen, I can't thank you enough for taking the time. We were really excited to talk to you. I hope you'll maybe come back on one of these days. If you get more time, we could talk next. Obviously, we could recap some World Cup stuff, but uh, yeah, go go USA. Thank you for taking Jerry, the time. Tim. Jerry, anytime you want me on, I'm here, man. Thank you. I appreciate you guys. Loving where I'm at in Entourage right now because, Jerry, you guys are finally trying to go to Cannes. And you know what I keep noticing in the show? No one can agree on the pronunciation. Everyone's calling it con, cans, can. Was that ever discussed? Like, everyone, just call it this, or is that kind of a part of the joke? Well, it became part of the joke, but legitimately no one knew how to pronounce it. Is it con? Is it can? We really <laughs> didn't know. Everyone said it different. We, you know now, We right? know now, but then we even did a beat with Snoop. I don't know if you remember the Snoop cameo where we run into yeah. him in a restaurant, and he says, like, hey, congratulations on can, or is it con? And we're like, nobody knows. That and Medellin, Medellin. Mm-hmm. That we were saying mm-hmm. like Medellin, we screwed that one up for I don't know how many months before someone actually corrected us. Like it's like Medellin or Medellin. So uh, yeah, but no, we still, <laughs> I still honestly don't quite know how to pronounce It's can. Okay, great, can. The reason I know this is I was studying abroad in college and I went to a city in France called Caen, C-A-E-N, Caen. Ah, they wouldn't name two cities. Yeah, I get it. I yeah. get it. And I, I was like, oh, my God, the rest of my life, I'm never going to forget that it's Cannes Film Festival. Anyways, it's really interesting with the you guys are trying to leave LAX and there's a terrorist threat and all that. I was trying to think based on what year it was. Was that happening in real life? No. So that was uh, I guess that was probably 2008. So if you really think back, we, we were uh, 
you know, five, six years removed from 9 11, mm-hmm. but still, like when you went to an airport, and I guess when you still go to an airport, you know, obviously people have their thoughts. So that sort of came from that, but they just really needed a, a reason for us to get delayed at the airport. They wanted to make <laughs> yeah. us getting to Cannes as difficult as possible. Mm-hmm. And I guess that was the easiest way where it wasn't just, where it wasn't so solvable, you know? So, uh, sure. and to add a little bit of, uh, tension for sure oh yeah so that's the one you're up to huh yeah and uh so you guys are headed out and then one other part that happened in the episode before this is when you pick up these girls and you're supposed to have this amazing weed but you guys get pulled over (laughs) and there's one girl who you like aren't messing with and you you guys are like sparring in the car and it was cracking me up like the the lines in that scene were very very funny but i was just i was just laughing and then you get pulled over and he says what's that smell and you have to get out of the car and he says throw it down the sewer and then I'll let you go. And you're like, oh, man, okay, because you had gotten these girls, right? And so you drop it down the sewer, you get back in the car, and then you go back, and you had left it on a ledge. I mean, I just, I love this scene. I love when it's, like, just your scene. That girl, I mean, woman, I mean, I don't know, back then I feel like we were all kids, boys and girls because we were so (laughs) young. She was great. She, and it really, I don't know if that was, like, as really as scripted how hard we were, like, going at each other. I think she just brought that to the table, and... I rolled with it and it became a cool dynamic. Look, anytime my character did anything with weed, I think that always just clicked for people. It did. And um, yeah, like the grabbing it off the ledge, the cop pulling you over, me getting on the ground, like, what are you going to shoot me? Right? It just was all of that time. It was, a lot of, it was a lot of fun to shoot that one. So you saw us trying to get to can, right? You mm-hmm. saw that episode. Mm-hmm. So you saw how we got to can, right? With Kanye. Were you, is that, were you up to no, that part? No, I haven't gotten Oh, there God. Yet. I got, we got to stop this. See? All right. Well, let's stop here. I just ruined the whole episode for you. Well, no. Now I know what I'm doing tonight. And I, oh, man, I I bet. Can you just, now that you've mentioned that he's coming, can you just say, do you have a Kanye story? All I'll say about it, and God, I can't believe I'm spoiling the episode for you. And look, (laughs) obviously he is uh, widely talked about. This was, you know, a solid 12 years ago. So this is, whatever your stances are on Kanye, Mm -hmm. not trying to do that right now. All I'll say is what was really cool about that episode with him coming on is his song, The Good Life, which is one of my favorite songs that he's ever made. You know, we debuted it on the show. It is the closing credits of the show. So the first time people hear the song, for the most part, is on on Entourage, which I thought was pretty cool back then, back in that day before the Spotify's and all that stuff. That's how that song was initially released. So. There you go. I, I totally, I guess we don't have to do Entourage next week because I just did it right now. Well, I mean, how was he on set? And he was huge at this time. He was great. I, I wouldn't say he was, he, he was huge. He was just, re- like, it was, he was still very much on the ascent. You right. know, he hadn't, like, leveled out to have that 30,000 foot view. He was on the way uh-huh. up. But uh, he was he was great. He was happy yeah. to be there. He was cool to work with. Was down to play around with the scenes and poke yeah. a little fun with him. So, it, it, it was a great experience 12 oh. years ago. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Don't worry. You're not going to get canceled for enjoying a little time with Kanye. I'll just say again, 12 years ago. <laughs> okay. Well, that gives me a lot to look forward to. I'll watch tonight. And then next week we might even revisit this a little bit more. But uh, yeah, good episode. Good week of it. The Lion's Blog. Okay.
Okay, it's everyone's favorite segment where we bring in BetMGM betting expert Peter Andrew, who's looking very sharp today, I may add. A nice cable knit sweater. His hair is all done nice. Pete, are, are you going on a date after this? Where are you going? No date. The big bosses are in town today, so i got to look somewhat presentable. Oh, Can't be wearing yes. my normal hat or making fun of Olivia wearing Niners gear or any of that yeah. stuff. So looking presentable. Yeah, it's usually a Niners jersey. Yeah, so you're looking Although, really good today. I should be wearing it after that uh, after that big dub <laughs> yep. that I was a part of there in uh, in San Fran. So it was a big win. Boys look good in the second half. So I'm in a good mood today. <laughs> you like Jimmy G leading this team, don't you? I, I think I've said it before. Jimmy more capable yeah. to lead this team now. Trey, we'll see it in the future. I don't know, but yeah. for now it's Jimmy G's team. He's got the weapons for sure. Okay, let's look back at your picks from last week. I always want you to uh, do the honors before we look ahead to Thursday night. Uh, let's go over your picks from last week. Yeah, so the teaser let me down on a couple different legs. Um, so the big one last week, losing the teaser. Eagles, huge upset. I mean, it was obviously great for the book, bad for the picks. So the teaser failed me. But I did tell everybody Vikings plus six and a half. Close to game of the year. I mean, incredible game back and forth. The the catches, the fumble at the one, Josh Allen just didn't look right. He obviously took a big hit off the uh, interception. So we, we won a couple bucks there. We were down a few units, but I think we're trending in the right direction. Had that single bet. I'm going to say it again. I feel good about this one-game parlay this week. One of these days it's going to hit. We're going to make all our money back that it hasn't hit from these one-unit plays. Right. I think this is the one this week. Are the <laughs> just, Packers I back? Just, are the Packers back? We're seeing them on Thursday night. Olivia's trying to contain herself because they got one win. Are the Packers back? And I, th- th- how much does that factor into your, your parlay is what I'd love to hear. They're kind of back, but I haven't put their result in this, and we'll get into that second. And also, I've kind of faded the Cowboys because they just didn't look good. Packers, like the Bucks. there's chances for them to slip in. I mean, we all know the Bucks are going to win the division now. It's just – it's – a guarantee based off the way that division goes. And there's obviously still slots for the Packers to come back. I think they're maybe a game or two out of the last wild card spot, right with the commanders. So they're right mm-hmm. there in the thick of things. They're not going to catch the Vikes, but there's plenty of wide open spots, especially with some big injuries in the NFL. Rams are likely out of it. Cards do not look good. So, and the NFC beast has three out of four teams in right now. We'll see if that sustains too. Yeah, let, let's get into this Thursday night one-game parlay because as I'm looking at it first, you have a couple uh, rushing props with Aaron Jones, who is old faithful. I mean, got to love Aaron Jones. You have anytime touchdown and over 54 and a half yards. And last week he had, I'm looking that up right now, 138. The 54 and a half, I like that. I think what the stats are is if he gets over 18 rushes a game, he's guaranteed over 100 yards. That's just been the case all season long. Mm. If last week's not an indicator there, I don't know what is. And he's done this against some pretty formidable teams, too. He did against the Bills a couple weeks back, too. So just give him the ball. Let them run play action. Let Rodgers do his thing. But I took him, so over 54 and a half, and I took him to score any time. I think they run their offense around him, and they're starting to realize that's what they need to do. I think with that said, Rodgers over 224 and a half in terms of passing yards. I think it does open up the play action. You're starting to see some of these targets come to play, Watson specifically. You know, I don't know if they win, and that's why I didn't put that in the one-game parlay, but I like them to keep this close. And then speaking of old faithful, Derrick Henry, so anytime touchdown, over 79.5 yards. Again, that's going to be under his average, so I took an alternate line there. So between those five things, plus 700, 
So that's a, a one unit play, $10, returns 80, including the stake there. Um, so I feel I good like keeping it in kind of the, the workhorses and then just Rogers mm -hmm. getting back to normal doing his thing. I think 224 is a pretty easy target there. That was his exact passing number last week, 224, and he only attempted 20 passes. It felt like watching the game, it felt like he barely threw it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It was 66% it was run plays, which was fantastic. That's what Packer fans like to see. All right, what else, what else you got? So gone with uh, now my usual teaser here. First one, really, really like this. I've teased down the under 46.5 to under 52.5 in the Lions-Giants game. So Giants have only hit that total once this season. Every other game has been under that amount. I think actually most of them have been under the 46 amount too. I just don't think you're going to see lots of points in that game. Lions have stabilized from the early part of the season where they were scoring and giving up 35 a game. They are looking way better than they did those first three, four games of the year where it was so volatile. So under 52 and a half there. Ravens coming off a bye. I've teased that down from minus 12 to minus six. So essentially a touchdown game. Panthers looked really, really bad their last game against the Bengals. So like Baltimore there at home. And then I'm sticking with the Vikings. So instead of plus one, I'm actually moving them to plus seven, playing the Cowboys, playing at home. Again, this is a little bit of a fade on the Cowboys, but... You see how good this Vikings team can be, just going into Buffalo, beating the Bills. Got a little bit of luck with a couple of those plays, but they're a really strong team. They are starting to get this from every angle. I think the Hawkinson trade, obviously, we've talked about is huge. Justin Jefferson just doing his thing. And then that two-prong attack with Cook and Madison. I think I'm going to be riding them for quite a bit until they, they show me otherwise. Um, so that one's, like, like always, plus 160. So those are six-point teasers or alternate lines, if you will. And that's a five-unit play to win 130. Yeah, I think the Vikings are probably one of the best teaser teams going forward. Because I just don't think – I think every game is going to be close. So if you just – whatever side you want to be on, just expand, get as many points as possible and just trust it will probably be a three- to four-point game. You have four units left. And I'm wondering what you're doing. Because we got a single game. We got a, we got a tease. Usually you go individual. What are you doing with these last four units? So I'm changing it up a little bit, a little bit of chalk with the Vikes there. So I'm doing a regular parlay, money line parlay here. I'm taking first the two favorites. Chiefs, Chiefs are minus 295, playing in LA against the Chargers, a Chargers team that's really, really beaten up. Niners didn't look good in the first half, but I think they controlled their attack in the second half. So Chiefs to win, maybe a close game, maybe a shootout, but I think they come out on top. Niners going to Mexico City, they're minus 350 at the cards. Another team that's just in a really bad spot. Kyler Murray out. We'll see if he comes back next uh, next week. They were playing a third string at quarterback this week, which was interesting. Still managed to get the dub. And then I'm taking what we just talked about, Vikings plus 100. So they're technically the dog in this game. I think that line probably flips as you get closer to game time and they become a one-point favorite. So hopefully get this early, get the extra little value. This is plus 244. So it's uh, 40 to win around 138. So... Um, Rounding up from, I think, 137.72 exactly. But all three teams playing for legitimate playoff spots. Niners could take first place in division. Chiefs obviously looking to take advantage of the Bill skid a little bit. And Vikings just looking for that top spot. So going into the second half of the season, I think a lot of those teams still fighting for something really, uh, really important. For sure. They always say there are two seasons in the NFL, pre and post Thanksgiving. So we're kind of rounding out that first season. So it's interesting to see everyone form that identity. like. Who are we in this first half? Obviously, numerically, it's not exactly half, but this is this is a fun part of the season. 
Peter, that was a lot of fun. Uh, good picks. I think we stand behind you on all of them, as we always do. A lot of solidarity on the show. Uh, great episode this week, Jerry. Yeah, that, you know, I, I feel like the theme was like, let's stick by each other's picks. Let's back each other up. Everyone else is picking right. apart picks and why and yelling at each other of why that's not going to work. Let's. I'm standing behind Pete, just like I stood behind Max Greenfield, and I'll always stand behind yep. you and and support you. Thank you, Olivia. Uh, so yeah, that's a good one. I can't wait to see what the NFL script writes for us next week. Oh, I mean, we have the easiest job in the world. Like it's, it's a reality show and we just get to talk about it the next week. I mean, this is, this season has been one for the books. Don't forget to watch all of our former interviews from past episodes. They're all up on YouTube. So it's really fun to, to watch those ones back. A lot of them are super evergreen and you can share them with your friends. Make sure you subscribe, share the show, make sure your friends are listening, and you can have fun with us every week. Thanks for listening, guys. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.